Welcome to the Bible Studies for Life adult podcast. This podcast is hosted each week by Chris Johnson and myself, Lynn Pryor. I remember taking long trips with my family when I was a kid. I'm talking long trips. I was that age when I'd waffle between when are we going to get there and then seeing tourist attractions along the way and begging to stop those little those little tourist traps. And but my dad, he would just press on no matter what the roadside traction was. He just kept us going. But it was worth it because once we reached that destination, that vacation destination, <laughs> I forgot all about the billboards, the advertisements for the souvenir shops and the museums and all that because we got to where we wanted to go. And that, Chris, is the point of our study today. Well, thanks, Lynn, for the setup for that. I, I can see you as that little little guy sitting in the back seat, <laughs> uh, bugging your sisters and uh, all the things included with the with the, with with traveling in the the, the back seat of your dad's station wagon. Oh yeah, oh yeah, you got it <laughs> at every point, huh? everyone hey man great to be with you curtis haunts is with us today curtis good to see you good to be here i appreciate it very much tell these good folks what you do curtis well in relation to the podcast i edit uh, about half of the commentary for leader guide for bible studies for a life for adults i also do uh, work on another product called masterwork that takes uh, mostly contemporary authors works uh, on uh, uh, scripture, on spiritual things, and makes Bible study out of them so that people have an opportunity to do Bible study and be aware of contemporary work, uh, Christian work as well. And then, of course, there's the uh, other tasks as assigned. <laughs> well, this podcast would be one of those, and we're thankful for you being with us today. This is the last session of our study, Set Apart, A Life Lived for God. So we've talked about the, the theological term sanctification, and we're going to talk about it some more today. Uh, we believe that as believers, we are what this study is about is is true for us, that uh, when we begin that journey of following Jesus, uh, we have a unique walk, a, a unique life, and, and we are different. We are set apart for God, for his purposes. And, you know, that's not just ministers uh, or mature Christians or Bible study leaders. We believe that's for, for every believer. And so today we're going to talk about what it looks like to be set apart for the journey. And Lynn, the, the reference that you're making to the journey and the reaching the destination is some of what we're going to talk about today as well, that the Christian life is a is a lifelong journey. It's a lifelong process, and uh, we our final destination uh, is eternity in the presence of God forever. It's heaven. So uh, we'll we'll talk about some of that as a part of our conversation today. I can't answer for Curtis, but I can't answer for Chris. You you and myself, you and I are not fully sanctified yet. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> we are still on that journey. That's the good word. That's a good reminder. And Curtis too. I mean, really, all of us. It's it's that's the idea. The idea. The studies through us. We want to keep growing in holiness, but we ain't going to fully be there until we reach that final destination when we're face to face with Christ and His kingdom. So today we're going to talk about what it looks like to be on the journey and uh, 
that com that completed process as well. So uh, one of the questions that we asked to encourage our groups to have conversations around uh, real life kind of things is uh, a, a icebreaker that is when when has a completed project been worth the wait? So uh, you guys have some examples in your life of, of some type of project that it was a long process and you were glad when you got to the end. Several years ago, my mother moved to an assisted living facility and uh, she had to have a, uh, she had very limited space in, in that. And uh, I had a, a little oak table that somebody had uh, uh, varnished in, in what to me was a very unattractive way that would have, would make a good table for her to have something in that small space. But it took a good amount of work to to uh, strip that down, sand it down, all the nooks and crannies and all the little uh, curly cues on the legs and the edges of the table and everything like that, uh, and then to uh, restain it. But it turned out looking really nice, and it uh, serves my mom quite well. Uh, so it was a, uh, what for me is an extensive project, but it was worth the, the process of going through that. Lynn, you do some woodworking, don't you? A little bit, yes. Um, <laughs> I don't know. Every project, I guess, is worth finishing. I mean, it's. I'm not sure it's worth the wait. I get, I get tired of it. Uh, in, in fact, that I, I, what I've read from other woodworkers, one of the things we are most most dangerous thing we do is we jump into a project, we get it built, but we're so tired of the building project. Okay. That when it's time to stain it and or to put a finish on it, we rush through that just because we're so tired of it. And in the process of the, that staining finishing, you can really make a really nice piece of furniture look awful. And it's worth it just to keep on, keep on keeping on, because once you're finished and you've done it right, you'll be really happy. Bible says something about uh, not growing weary in good works. Well, that's a good transition for us to get into to the study. Lynn, why don't you take us from there? All right, for us to consider this idea that we are on this journey, we're going to look at the life of the Apostle Paul as he describes his own journey. And to do this, we're going to be in Philippians chapter 3. Now, in a moment, I want to begin reading of verse 12, but uh, would one of you, you gentlemen give us the context of what's, a, what's going to lead into verse 12 for us? Well, I'll get it started, and Curtis, you can jump in. Uh, Paul is writing to a group of people he loves very much. He he knows them. He planted the church. They have supported his ministry. And, and that's the backdrop of, of the relationship that Paul had with the, the church at Philippi. Uh, in the third chapter, Paul is describing, uh, if look, if anybody could be proud of their of their works, of their uh of their background, of the things that they did in their lives to to gain uh God's favor, Paul said, if anybody could do that, it's me. And and he begins to talk about his resume. Uh, you know, I was, a, he said, I was a Jew of Jews. I was of the tribe of Benjamin. I was circumcised the right day. I was a as to the law, as a Pharisee, blameless. And so he talks about all of his credentials, all the things that he, uh, for, he said, if anybody can brag on themselves, it was me. <laughs> but then he met Jesus. 
and the accounting changed. And he said, everything that, that I once valued, everything that was once of great value to me is meaningless. It's rubbish. It's old King James says it's dung, it's manure compared to this all surpassing value of knowing Jesus. And so meeting Jesus and knowing him changed the scorecard for, for the apostle Paul. He, he recognized that everything that he had done to achieve righteousness was absolutely meaningless. Only Jesus could make him in, in, in right with God and having a right relationship with Jesus. So in light of this idea, he realizes everything it's all wrapped up in Jesus. Then he says in verse 12, but not that I have already reached the goal or I'm already perfect, but I make every effort to take hold of it because I have been taken hold of by Christ Jesus. Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself to have taken hold of it, but one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and reaching forward to what is ahead, I pursue as my goal the prize promised by God's heavenly call in Christ Jesus. So I think this passage will be good for our folks to have a conversation about. It aligns with a lot of things that are common or that are, I think the people in our groups will relate to. Uh, we tend to be very goal-oriented. So we want to talk about what that prize is and what that what that goal is uh, as a part of our conversation today. Uh, he mentions perfection. I don't think anybody uh, lays claim or thinks that that's possible much today. What do you guys think? I would agree. There are those of us who are perfectionist and uh, uh, strive for perfection, and yet there's a realization that that we don't get there. Uh, we're, we're not going to be all that we need to be, certainly not this side of heaven. I, I do think one of the keys is the, the latter part there of, uh, um, or middle part of verse 12, where he talks about, I make every effort to do this. It's not something that uh, just happens to us passively. It's not just a matter of sitting in church, sitting in Bible study and and getting engaged in the discussion. Uh, it's a, an effort laden task to uh grow to be like Christ. And Curtis, as a fellow perfectionist, that's frustrating. Now, I will say, I think edit, perfectionists make good editors, but, <laughs> <laughs> and our readers probably prefer that too. <laughs> but there's a frustration that comes with me because I want to be perfect. And I want to check off all those boxes, a little bit like what Paul was talking about before. And feel good about myself, but I there's always it seems like there's always one more checkbox. Well, I'm not there yet. I'm not there yet, and that I'll admit that is frustrating. Every year, if I am preaching somewhere around the new year, uh, I talk about the difference between setting New Year's resolutions and and just setting goals because resolutions has that very firm, final I resolve, where we're better off just to set goals. I resolve not to not to eat sugar. Well, for most people, that lasts lunchtime on New Year's Day. <laughs> but the rather the better thing to do is to set a goal. And I think for Christians, certainly, because we know we want to be like Jesus. But for me to say, I resolve never to sin in this area again, I'm setting myself up for failure because I'm a flawed human being. But if I make it a goal. Like Paul has done here, my this is my goal. I'm going to strive to be more like Jesus. 
I'm going to still falter along the way, but I can look back and see I'm not there yet, but I'm making progress. And making progress is a, is a big key. Uh, can, can we see that we've made progress from one new year's to the next, from uh, the beginning of the year to the end of the year? And here we are, as Southern Baptists, we're very strong on life by grace, not by works. Yet there's so much that just draws into us, even in our Baptist churches, whereas Paul has this works-based self-righteousness. There's something in us. We've always, we need to be conscious of that pull toward works-based self-righteousness and fight it. It's all by grace. And I live by setting a goal. And when I falter, I just pick right up and I keep pressing on toward that goal. So the goal is Jesus. The goal is becoming more and more like him. Uh, This is what we're striving for. And we may not talk enough about that in our, in our Christian circles. How, how do, what does spiritual maturity look like and how do we develop and become more and more like Jesus? So we tend to be more, again, this is where work-based kind of, can kick in in a different way, Lynn. We think it's something that I do. Uh, it, you know, it's 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 setting goals, trying to achieve those goals. Where the and what we've talked about over the past several weeks is that God is at work changing us. He's transforming us. His Spirit is doing this work of changing us and making us more like Jesus. He he is. Um, in that process of renewing our minds that we talked about a few weeks ago. So we we have to acknowledge that while we have a part and while we need to make this our goal, we need to recognize that there are some things that God does as a part of the process uh, that we need to be faithful. We need to be obedient. We need to know God's word. But in the mix of all of that, God uses those things to grow us and transform us and to help us in becoming more and more like Jesus. One of the things Jesus uses to help us become spiritually mature are the, well, the people we surround ourselves with, other, mature, uh, other believers, and certainly surrounding ourselves with mature believers. I want us to see how Paul addresses this as we pick up in verse 15, this idea that spiritual maturity come as we follow the example of other believers. Paul said in verse 15, Therefore, let us all who are mature think this way. And if you think differently about anything, God will reveal this also to you. In any case, we should live up to whatever truth we have attained. Join in imitating me, brothers and sisters, and pay close attention to those who live according to the example you have in us. For I have often told you, and now say again with tears, that many live as enemies of the cross of Christ. Their end is destruction, their God is their stomach, their glory is in their shame, and they are focused on earthly things. So I don't know what it is about me. Um... I'm sure there's some kind of character flaw or developmental flaw, but I, I, I am always hesitant to use myself as the example. I would be very uncomfortable saying to a group of believers, think like me, imitate me, follow my example. Um, but Paul has absolutely no trouble with this as he's talking to these, these believers uh, who again are, people who he loves very much and who love him very much. 
I, I appreciate the, the example of others. I'm, I'm just not comfortable putting myself in that, in that position or that role to say, Hey, you guys be like me, look like me, think like me, act like me, follow my example. It does sound egotistical. Paul said it in another way in first Corinthians. Uh, this is first Corinthians 11, one, where he said, follow my example as I follow the example of Christ. I feel safer saying that because it does sound egotistical. Oh, just, just, if you'll just be like me, you'll be, you'll be a, you'll be a great Christian. Well, I don't know. Cause uh, I think about even with my own sons, all the times I said, you know, the idea, I want you to follow what I do. That's, you know, I want to be a role model for them, but how many times I failed at doing that. I think it's also significant that, that Paul, uh, in, in verse 17 talks about, uh, paying careful attention to those who live according to the example you have in us. It's not just himself that he's directing attention to, but others who follow that same example. Uh, so there, there are character, uh, issues that all of us have. And yet when we're all following, uh, Jesus, then there are similarities. There are things we can learn uh, from others in the same boat. We don't need to become reproductions of an individual, but of a, of a group of, of individuals who are following Christ. I'm glad you said that, Curtis. I, as, as we've, as we're having this conversation, uh, I'm thinking of people in my life who were influential, uh, who I'd paid attention to how they lived. Uh, I, I, I noticed their example, um, and, and so these are very important people in my life. So, so I can see the value of that, um, of knowing someone well and seeing that they are reflecting Christ's character and living for the Lord and that they become uh, my examples. And I think in the context of church or group uh, that we need to have those kind of uh, people in our lives and those kind of relationships with other believers. And that was the whole point of our study earlier this summer, the study we had on mentoring, the idea that uh, one, we should be looking for those people who can mentor us, help us be discipled and grow in Christ. Yet at the same time, we should be actively involved in mentoring and discipling someone else. Uh, so either way you look at this, there's this idea for us, look for those who could be our example. But for many of us, who says, you know, we need to be like Paul to say, I want to disciple you and I want you to follow my example as I follow the example of Christ. And maybe the contrast that he makes in this passage is significant, too, because he he turns from that uh, follow the example of godly people to uh, there. Listen, I want you to be I want to warn you. and remind you that there are enemies of the cross that the contrast is there are enemies of the cross there are those people who are only focused on earthly things so it's almost as though he's saying don't be like that instead uh make this uh spiritual these spiritual people these people who are committed to following jesus make make this the example that you follow we need to be wise and discerning and who we choose to follow certainly who we choose to listen to and I think we're living in a day and age where that discernment really needs to be called out more and more. And I say that because the availability from podcasts to television, there's a gazillion voices that we could choose to listen to. Uh, I've talked to people in my own church that before they come to church on Sunday, they have already watched 
uh, sometimes upwards of two or three other pastors to uh, just to listen to their sermons. And some of them are good, and everyone's on a little red flag will go up. I'm not sure I'd want to listen to that. I don't think you should be listening to that person. We come to verse 20 of Philippians 3. Our citizenship is in heaven, and we eagerly await a Savior from there, the Lord Jesus Christ. He will transform the body of our humble condition into the likeness of his glorious body by the power that enables him to subject everything to himself. Again, this is a place for us to have a really practical application. Um, Paul is describing a, a dual citizenship, if you will. Uh, we are citizens of most of us who are listening to this. We are citizens of the United States. But Paul reminds us we're our true citizenship, that our ultimate citizenship uh, is in is in heaven. And that needs to be the priority. That needs to be the focus of our lives. We discussed uh, earlier that that we have a role, but God also has a role. And we see that God's role, again, particularly in here, is, as uh, Paul talks about, that it's uh, by his power that he brings us into the humble condition, brings us into the likeness of his glorious body. It's his power that that transforms us from who we are uh, into becoming more and more like him. There's an interesting question I think worth chasing in our groups. Uh, in the book I have, it's question number four. This is the adult personal study guide. The question is, how do we balance living as citizens of this kingdom, this where we live now? How do we balance living as citizens now as well as in the next? Because there's that tension of being involved now, but I'm also a citizen of a, another kingdom that's an eternal kingdom. So our, our lesson writer does something that's helpful, I think, in the conclusion of, of this study on being set apart. We've talked about the term sanctification, um, and he, he spends a little time talking about sanctification uh, in the context of the doctrine of salvation. Now, the three of us have pretty deep roots in the church and in Baptist life. Uh, I would guess, because we're close to the same age, uh, we we have all heard and are very comfortable with his description of the doctrine of salvation, that, uh, that salvation has a past dimension, a present dimension, and a future dimension. I don't, I'm not sure that we, we talk about this as much today as we probably did at a different stage of our lives, but let's talk a little bit about the theological terms um, just so our uh, – our listeners have that context. Well, the first of those terms is, is justification, uh, the the initial salvation experience, and uh, uh, many of us have heard the the explanation using the word justify uh, to talk about it, we become just as if I had never sinned. Uh, we we get uh, a new life. Uh, salvation, being saved, uh, whatever the terminology is that we use, and God chooses to justify us, to, to by his authority, to declare us to be just in his eyes. Doesn't mean we haven't sinned, doesn't mean we won't sin, uh, but he declares us to be, uh, to be pure in his eyes. So this is, uh, we talk about 
biblical theological terms of of redemption of forgiveness of uh god because of his grace through our faith in jesus we are made right with god we are justified and uh we're born again all of those different terms for that uh, is the beginning uh, of salvation it, you use the term initial and that's a pro that's probably a good word but then uh, our lesson writer says that there is a present tense to this doctrine of salvation uh, it it begins at conversion and then it is a lifelong journey and that is what sanctification is that's what we've been talking about this whole time and I do feel like in so many of our evangelical churches, we rightly talk about justification. There is a strong pull for evangelism, for calling people to faith in Christ, to, to come to Christ for, for forgiveness, grace, for that justification. Yet we, I don't feel like we always talk as much about sanctification as much as we talk about justification. And by that, I mean, when you talk to people about their walk with Christ, tell me about your walk with Christ. Too many people will, when I, they talk about what happened in their life when they were six years old or when they were eight years old. They're talking about that when I was saved. Now that's strong. But if you ask them, well, hey, tell me what God's doing in your life now. There's a pause. Well, I was saved when I was eight. And all they, that's all they really can talk about is that, that, uh, and it's certainly important first step. It's like a person gets married and all they ever talk about is the wedding. When there's a whole marriage that follows that. And that's what sanctification is. It's that marriage time. But even then, I guess more rightfully, it's better to talk about this is the engagement time because we're not fully face to face with the head of the church yet. As the bride of Christ, that day is coming. And Chris, that gets to that third element. We've talked about justification, sanctification. That third element is glorification. When we will be face-to-face -face with him, when we will fully experience all the benefits of that relationship, we will fully experience all the benefits that came with that justification that Christ gave us. That day is coming. All of the benefits of our citizenship being in heaven. <laughs> Another way that people sometimes speak of these three is to speak of being saved from the penalty of sin, which would be justification and, and the, the change of our ultimate destination, uh, saved from the power of sin being sanctification as we grow more and more like Christ and, and uh, sin and temptation has less influence over us, and then saved from the presence of sin when we leave this world and we go to heaven where there is no sin being glorification. Paul said it well in Philippians uh, 1.6, where he said, he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. And in that singular verse, Paul has talked about justification, sanctification, and glorification. Well, listen, this has been a good conversation. Uh, we could go on and on with this, but our time's up. We want to thank Curtis, for being with us today, and thank you for your input in the process. Lynn, thank you for leading our conversation. Uh, most of all, we thank you who are listeners to our podcast. We do this for you, and we hope this is beneficial to you as you prepare uh, to either be a part of a group or uh, to lead a group. Maybe for some of you, you're, you're, this is just 
your opportunity to to hear God's word and engage with it. So we hope this has been helpful to you. We are glad that you were with us for this uh, conversation, and we hope that during this week you have a great Bible study with others in your group. May God bless. All right, now I'm.